fashion. This is all in for the love of the game. This is Love Set Match. Andre Agassi had this goal, you don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, you have to be better than someone that's across the net. I think you got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe you're more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too. Hi guys, welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. I'm your host, Philip Kim, also known as Coach PK, the tennis pro for the Langham Huntington Hotel in sunny Southern California. And hey, Valerie, I'm adding executive director for the nonprofit Love Set Match. <laughs> That's my extra title. So please welcome my coolest co-host ever, Valerie Garcia. Happy New Year, friend. Hey, happy New Year. How's it going? Can you- executive director. <laughs> I know I get to keep adding titles you know it, that's all I do just add titles I love it <laughs> it's like uh, Lisa Simpson overachiever now Philip Kim overachiever <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of overachieving our friends at Tennis Pal are the sponsors for this podcast Tennis Pal Chronicles and we love them so much we hope that you will go check out the best app to find people to play tennis with visit tennispal.com to download and uh, find people to play with yes do it now available available for iphone and android there you go good call on that one well today is monday january 16th which is a holiday here in america and we're actually celebrating martin luther king today uh, his powerful legacy of civil rights and equality for all and just uh, really feel like uh, we should spend a moment just listening to him talk for just a couple of seconds. I, I'm going to include a clip just to inspire us of his greatness. So l- let's listen. Something is happening in our world. The masses of people are rising up and wherever they are assembled today, whether they are in Johannesburg, South Africa, Nairobi, Kenya, Accra, Ghana, New York City, Atlanta, Georgia, Jackson, Mississippi, or Memphis, Tennessee, the cry is always the same, we want to be free. Such a powerful speaker, isn't he? So inspiring. So January 16th is also the first official day of the Australian Open. Well, I'm starting to catch a a little bit of the Australian fever for Aus Open Tennis, and I just feel like, wow, I'm seeing all the highlights on YouTube, I'm seeing all the matches, and then, you know, in prep for this podcast, I was watching a ton and looking at the news, and wow, there's so much going on. And I forget that when you watch these Grand Slam tournaments, so many more tennis players play, and lots of tennis players I've never heard of. Yes, the draw is like 128 when we're used to 64, I think. (laughs) Right, exactly. And maybe there's a new generation of tennis players coming up. So hopefully in 2023, we're going to learn a lot of new names, you know? Yes. I'm so, that's what's so exciting about the beginning of the year is just like the unknown of who's going to have like breakout years or, you know, 
what's going to happen, right? It's just a new year, and I'm sure a lot of players have, well, spent their whole whopping like three to five week off season uh, <laughs> prepping and getting themselves excited and ready for a new season. And so it's just, it's the best time of year in terms of seeing how how the year's going to unfold, you know? Yeah, and I think probably the biggest news is the is the the news that Novak Djokovic is playing the Australian Open and kind of his you know some people are calling it a revenge tour <laughs> 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 that he gets to actually play because you know he was banned uh, in the past and uh, the fact that he's there and uh, he was actually quite emotional on on stage uh, talking when they did the exhibition uh, talking about being on center court and what that felt like. Uh, he played an exhibition with Nick Kyrgios um, just to kind of open up the whole Australian Open. So let me just play a little bit of audio from that because I think that's kind of interesting. I should do a clap or something. Then I know it's... <laughs> <laughs> so there's Novak Djokovic. Uh, I he's got to be super excited to be there and he's got to be really excited about his chances. Right. I mean, I feel like it's this tournament is his to lose. Don't you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's going for 10, right. Which is probably the next greatest streak besides Rafa's 14 at Roland Garros. Um, I heard in his, in a press conference that he basically was not shying away from the um, the race to Grand Slams. And he he was very open, like, yes, he's going for that. Like, that's important to him. And he realizes that, you know, these situations are few and far between. So I, I know that he, he must feel pressure on himself to win it. But I think, you know, he also has immense belief in himself that he is the favorite. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's too early to call right now, but it just seems like Novak Djokovic and Iga Swiatek are definitely the favorites going in. Do you agree? Yeah, I would say, I mean, just in terms of them being the most dominant hardcore players, it's hard to, it's hard to bet against them, you know? But it is so hard to, because I think both fields are really deep. Um, and then with Djokovic and the hamstring thing, it's hard, you know, you don't know if you should read too much into it. Um, if it was right, if it was Nadal and a hamstring, I would think he'll just figure out a way to win with one leg. <laughs> <laughs> and just say he's going to lose first round anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, play Really play it down. But for Djokovic, I don't know, you know, um, I feel like he's, his body's more sensitive in terms of like, he's really in tune and he doesn't, he's not necessarily like, I'm just going to sacrifice my body for the sport <laughs> the way yeah. that the, the doll is. Um, so I feel like that's a, probably the biggest factor is, um, is he healthy? Because if he's healthy, I don't know, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine someone getting him. Yeah, I think it was Laura Robson, right? The uh, for, Do we call her former player? Is she still playing? I don't think she is. She's only doing news and coverage now, right? 
I'm not sure, actually. Mm. But I do follow her on Twitter, and she is a reporter for Eurosport. So she was the one who was talking about uh, Djokovic having to cancel his um, practice a little early, that he had, she actually said he is dealing with a couple of injuries with his leg. Um, so she thought it was better that uh, Djokovic might skip the exhibition match uh, but apparently he didn't. He played, and he played really well. I couldn't see anything in the exhibition match that looked like injury for either Djokovic or Kyrgios. I didn't see anything, so uh, to my untrained eye, at least. Yeah. I I missed that match, um, so I didn't see, but it was interesting that, well, Djokovic went in knowing he already had the hamstring. Right. And so... It was interesting that he chose to still play it, um, right? And then, yeah, it's weird that now they're they're both injured still. After <laughs> we shall see. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, uh, and actually, I thought Kyrgios played better than Djokovic. I think they were both kind of taking it easy, and um, Novak was doing a lot of like trick shots and fun kind of things, where it seemed like actually Nick was more serious than Novak. And maybe that's yeah. a way to kind of hide his injury. Uh, yeah, right? that, I would guess that, well, Novak knew also about his, yeah, exactly. He knew he was hurt and wasn't going to take it seriously because no one's going to remember an exhibition in the record books. So he he has his priorities straight. Yeah, take it easy. <laughs> Don't push yourself at the exhibition, but entertain the crowd, right? Because he's definitely an entertainer. Yeah. For sure. Loves, loves to get a laugh. Well, speaking of injuries, I thought it would be interesting to just start uh, the talk of the tournament with notable players that are actually out of the Open. And uh, there are some pretty important players that we were kind of excited to see that couldn't uh, join the lineup this year. And uh, world number one, Carlos Alcaraz, has to be the biggest name that will miss the Australian Open because he also has a leg injury. Uh, so really sad to see him not participate. So unfortunate. Winning the the last slam of the year, getting the world number one. Yeah, his, and, and like that all was his the first, hype. right? His yeah. first slam. So, right. And then we don't even get to see him play in the first major. Like, I was super excited to see him play. So yeah, it's, it's and hard court, right? Because he had won on hard court at the U.S. Open and be interesting to see his chances here on hard court as well but uh, do would you say that maybe clay is his best surface i don't i don't think so personally but what do i know i don't <laughs> i don't know that i'm an i'm an expert um i think that because he has more of a federer than a dull style game very aggressive very um, attacking yeah right? i i just feel like his shots are probably more dangerous on a hard court yeah. than clay court. But um, he seems to be comfortable on all of it, except, you know, grass is not really there yet. But but I feel like he'll, he should be able to learn soon <laughs> how to be good on grass. <laughs> but it does suck when, you know, the, the number one new up-and-coming star, youngest number one player ever, you know, um, isn't isn't there for the beginning of the season. 
yeah, think it's a disappointment. Really, even though he has a, and he, he self-describes himself as a, a Federer style, uh, he does have that also Nadal-esque ability to defend and get shots back that you just think there's no way he's getting that back and he gets it back. And he, it, I mean, his highlight reels of defense are just insane. It's just amazing how good he is getting shots back. Yeah. It reminds me so much of, of Nadal. And, and so that's why I think even more so on clay because you have a little bit more time, you know, mm-hmm. but maybe you're a little bit slower also. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why he couldn't be good on on all surfaces. His game should translate. But yeah, yeah. his defense is insane. It It is kind of like jaw-dropping in the way that Nadal's was when Nadal came busting on the scene. Yep. Where you're just like, yep. what? One more I, back, one yeah, more back. Yeah, yeah. and, and he, I feel like he even kind of has a little bit of Djokovic in terms of his, like, he seems a little stretchier than Nadal. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> he's like he's he does seems like a kind of a balance between the greatness of the three, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, speaking of world number ones, unfortunately, Simona Halep we knew uh, was not going to compete because she actually was um, banned from playing because of uh, a prohibited substance issue that came up. And that was kind of a shock to the whole world, wasn't it? Sure was. I was having like Maria Sharapova flashbacks. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she's um, a former French Open and Wimbledon champion. And uh, it's just crazy that um, she is out at this point in her career, you feel like uh, longevity-wise, there's not a lot more of years left. So it's really a huge blow for her and, and, and a blow for the tournament as well. For sure. Because like, every time you think she's gaining momentum, like things happen. I mean, I think just being a tennis player, a professional tennis player, is so difficult to be able to like manage and stay healthy and stay competitive and fresh with the tour that's so deep. Um, I, I never, I I never lose faith that she can go deep and be dangerous, but, um, you're right. I mean, she's definitely, there's just more new, fresh, um, talented players coming up. So she needs as much of the tournaments now that she can get in, I think. Right. Right. And I do feel like tennis is getting harder for these athletes. Uh, it ju- I just feel like every year it's getting harder and harder. Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's just my perception, but it just seems like the game is harder, faster. They have to be more physical. Um, it's just insane how, how tough it is on their bodies. Yeah. I, th- I think that, it's advanced so much that it's it's like great to watch, but it's so hard for them to stay fit, healthy, yeah. not fit. That was the wrong word, but like he- healthy and without injury, you know? Right. Right. And it's such a long and grueling season as well. Like, it, I think it's like a miracle if someone can make it through the whole season without an injury. It probably means they're not winning very much, <laughs> you know, so they're not playing as many matches. <laughs> so they're a little healthier. Yeah. Yeah, they only play like two matches a tournament. 
then. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of longevity, I mean, my goodness, Venus Williams, unfortunately, is not competing at the Australian Open 2023. But wow, she is still playing professional tennis, even after her sister retired. She's 42 years old. Yes. So amazing. <laughs> She was given a wild card, and on Twitter, a lot of people were kind of upset that they were even considering giving her a wild card she, because she didn't have a chance to win. Uh, at least that's what they were saying. And, uh, you know, so hurtful. I'd much rather see Venus play uh, and keep playing rather than having some young upstart. But that's just my vintage uh, understanding of the game, you know. Yeah, and I don't see why they would. I mean, she has just as much chance to win as some 18, 19 year old wild card who's just coming up off of right. challenger circuit or something. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like she I probably watch... has more of a mental belief that she can do it because she's won many slams. So many. Yeah. Yeah. I did watch um, her playing at the Auckland tournament and I was just so happy to see her win in the first round. It was awesome. Yes. And it just gives me, like, so much hope. <laughs> <laughs> As we continue to age. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, it's just amazing to see her playing. I think she beat, like, a 19-year-old or something, you know? Yeah. Can you hear that? That's got to be loud. I did hear the beeping. But okay. Let's just wait until these guys finish then. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. I forgot they come on Mondays. I know. I don't even know if mine have come in like two weeks because of the rain. It's always like dumping, pouring rain every time. It's like my day. <laughs> now he's like right in front of the window. <laughs> <laughs> he actually looked. We, we, we made eye contact. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, so do you want to talk about the coaching thing while we're waiting? Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. So basically, uh, I launched this new program called Free Tennis for All. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really excited to give away free tennis classes. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm doing Saturdays at 12 to 1. I'm doing free tennis classes to anyone who signed up. And I've already gotten over 100 people to sign up. So I'm super wow. excited. I know. It's crazy. Um, and I think the word is spreading. Like I actually had, I was playing tennis. What day was it dry Thursday or something? Um, and, and, uh, one of the players that I usually play with, he said, yeah, I heard they're doing free tennis in Monterey park. Do you guys know anything about that? And I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, well, these guys in Whittier that I play with, were talking about it. And that made me feel good. Like, wow. Hey, people are talking about it. You know? Nice. Oh, I think they're gone. So let's continue. Let's go back to Venus. Sounds good. Yeah. So just watching her play at her age and win, uh, I think she beat like an 18 year old at the ASB classic. It was just insane, you know, just made me so proud of her. And, uh, you just feel like, yeah, wow, what she's just grit a treasure. and determination. Yeah, she's a treasure, and it's just so cool that she continues to play. Not easy to get out there, travel, make it happen, you know? It's just crazy that she keeps wanting to play, so very cool. So cool. 
Yeah, I say more power to you, Venus. Keep playing. Yes. Hopefully she'll, we'll don't, get to see her keep winning. Don't listen to the Twitter haters. <laughs> Way too many of those. <laughs> oh, speaking of Twitter haters, oh my gosh, Naomi Osaka is out of the tournament. And, uh, she, you know, I think a lot of people were wondering where she is. She hasn't been doing much, uh, hasn't been playing very often. And suddenly she makes a huge announcement. Uh, do you want to say it? Well, if somebody doesn't already know, they must be living under a rock somewhere. But yes, <laughs> she is with child. <laughs> Incredible. She's pregnant and she's not going to be playing tennis throughout the whole year of 2023. She's out. Yeah. That's great. I mean, super happy for her. Congratulations, Naomi. And Hopefully, you know, this is like uh, the best time in your life. I, I, they often say that women who are pregnant just feel like it's the best time of their life. It's the happiest time that they ever have, which is amazing. So really happy for her. Sad for the game, though, because we're going to really miss her. Yes. But, you know, I feel like it was always for the, at least the past like year and a half um, kind of up in the air, like whether or not she'd play anyway. Or if she yeah. show up, you don't even know if she would withdraw or kind of show up mentally to really want to like play. For sure. So mm -hmm. at least like we definitively know she's out. And then maybe this will spark her. You know, I was happy to hear that she wants her child to see her play and say, that's my mom. Um, so maybe that will give her some like a fresh perspective and she can come back um, renewed. But we'll see, you know, when people take time out, it's really hard because the game progresses and you come back and you're, you know, as we've seen, it's, it's a rare feat when, when they come back um, for extended time off to be able to yeah. be really great. But she's still, you know, young enough for that. I'll, I'll believe in her. <laughs> you go, you go, Naomi Osaka. Not not only is she young enough, she's rich enough to take the time off. Uh, <laughs> one of the points of contention on Twitter was that she actually uh, surpassed Serena Williams in earnings, uh, according to Forbes in 2022. She earned 51 million dollars, 51.1 million dollars, uh, to Serena's 41.3 million dollars, which. That's hard to believe considering Serena had the movie and, and so much was going on in her life as well, uh, so much attention. And yet somehow Naomi Osaka quietly is earning $51 million. Wow. <laughs> and obviously that's not uh, tournament money because she hasn't been playing that much. But just as a, a sponsor, as someone who is getting so many people to back her, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean... Good for her. <laughs> Good for her. I know. Hey, get it while you can, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I thought was really interesting was that the third highest, uh, uh, the third highest female athlete was uh, Eileen Gu. I think she is a golf star. Um, and then Emma Rodkanu was number four, eighteen million. A uh, uh, measly eighteen million, <laughs> <laughs> and then sadly Iga Swiatek. Maybe not sadly, she earned fourteen point nine million. But I mean, she's number five, and she is by far the best tennis player in the world for women right now. Yes, can you give me one second? Sorry. Of course. 
Hey, are you going to be long or noisy? Mm-mm. Okay, just curious. I didn't mention, um, just we're recording. Okay, sorry about that. Who, who did you say? I heard Radakanu was four at 18 million. Right. Uh, Radakanu was four at 18 million, and number five was Iga Swiatek. Oh, gosh. Okay. How did I miss at that f- name? 14.9. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Such an unusual name. For us uh, Americans, yes, yes. I I'm was... sorry, I miss I misspoke too. Eileen Gu is not a golf star. She's that famous Olympic free skate freestyle skating. Uh, she's that. Sorry, I misspoke. Eileen Gu is not a golf star. She's that famous Olympic freestyle skiing star. She, you know, captured the Olympics, uh, and she was the one who, even though she grew up in America, she uh, represented China and trained uh, and played in China. So obviously she made the right decision financially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, She's... we say that she made the right decision. Okay, never mind. Let's scratch that. I, <laughs> I was going to make financially. A, <laughs> financially. <laughs> I was, was going to make a very uh, inappropriate comment about the fate of some of the Chinese athletes. It's not so fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I mean, we, we should definitely remind everyone that we haven't heard from Peng Shui for a very, very long time, and she's just been silent. So, you know, hashtag free Peng Shui for sure. Yes, it's no good, no good. I've, it's been well over a year now, right? Where we like looking at almost two years or something. Yeah, and sadly, the plan of the Chinese has worked. Like, all the hype has died down, and nobody's talking about it. So, yeah, that's what they knew what would happen. I'd love to finish the uh, top 10 list uh, of financial females, female winners. Uh, so, what was really cool after Iga Swiatek, number six is Venus Williams. So, that's why she's on tour. That's why she's playing. She's still got great sponsorships. She earned $12 million in 2022. All right, Venus. Yay, Venus. <laughs> Look at her. I Look know. at her go. Number, number seven, Coco Goff oh. at $11.1 million. She's All doing right. great. And kind of surprising, number eight, Simone Biles is number eight. You would think she would do so much better because she's just a household name, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. Because yeah. of the Olympics. So she earned $10 million. I guess that's a sponsorship thing. Somebody needs to talk to her manager. <laughs> yes, I would agree. But I guess, I mean, I don't know enough about gymnastics that maybe that is really impressive. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Uh, I mean, because you, you're you one and done, basically, right? Yeah. So That does seem really low for being, you know, what might be considered the greatest gymnast ever. Ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, number nine is Jessica Pagula. All right, Jesse. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> at seven point six million, which is really surprising to me. And uh, actually, she, a lot of people are calling her a dark horse for the Aussie Open. She easily beat Iga Swiatek the last time they played a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, she has that game. I remember us talking about her maybe two years ago, and I was talking about how she has like a Federer forehand. And she has this amazing like rotation in her swing, and it's just completely different from what I would consider, uh, you know, the forehands that you usually see on the uh, WTA. Wow, she can just smack that ball. She is just incredible and yes. very smart player. 
Yeah. So glad to see her doing so well. And she just won her first round of the uh, Australian Open, like 6-0, Just a yeah. total smackdown. So with her and Coco Goff, you feel like, hey, American tennis maybe is uh, making a little bit of a renaissance, at least on the women's side, you know? Yeah, and don't count out my girl Danielle Collins. <laughs> you know, she was like well, a semifinalist and then a finalist there. So I'm hoping that yeah. she can do well this year as well. Right, she was a finalist last year at the Aus Open, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, she didn't look great. Uh, no, <laughs> no, she last, didn't. At her last match, they had so much strapping on her uh, on her leg. And I really thought she was going to lose. And I actually was really kind of rooting for her opponent. Was it uh, Kalinskaya? Yeah. Um, you know, as I was watching Kalinskaya, I was thinking, gosh, this is who I should tell my tennis students you should watch uh, for, for stroke. Because she's very similar, in, in my opinion, to Jessica Pagula. She has this incredible rotation that looks like she's hitting so easy, like it's effortless. Um, I just love her stroke production on both wings, forehand and backhand. It reminded me a lot of Annie, uh, Annie Samova, who unfortunately lost first yes. round. Yes, <laughs> yes, that was a horrible. Yeah, horrible and she's game. been kind of uh, uh, hampered by injuries for for a long time. I think. Yeah. But yeah, she. But but both of them, I feel like ha their stroke production is insanely good, and the timing, and it's just so easy, and so, so just as far as like wow, technique. I just love the way that they play. And Daniel Collins, I don't love her stroke production, but wow, her her scrappiness is second to none. I mean, the fact that she was super injured, really down, and she should still pull out the win. Oh yeah, incredible. She's super scrappy, and I'm sorry. Well, I love her forehand angles and her backhand. When it's on, she can smack the crap out of that thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, of course she can kick my butt, so I'm not, saying <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that she doesn't have good technique, but as far as like, wow, this watch this person and hit like this person, you know? Yeah, Like I sure. would definitely tell all my students, watch this person and fight like this person, you know? Yeah. So who's uh who's the is it ten? Are you on ten now? After Jesse? So, that's right. Yeah. So the tenth person is finally a golf person, and I thought golf would be a lot more because you would think uh, there's a lot of money in golf, but I, maybe it's going down. But it's uh, Minji Lee, uh, the Korean player from. She is the golf player, and she's at seven point three. So what's very stunning is besides Eileen Gu, they are all tennis players in the top ten of the Forbes list for women. So that just shows you that tennis is really favorable to women in sports. Uh, this is the sport you should pick if you're a young girl thinking about a college scholarship, play tennis. Uh, you have a great chance of, of earning some money if you get to the top of the game, better than any other sport, I think. Yes, and I think it's been that way for decades, really. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks long for a long thanks time. in huge part to Billie Jean King. Yeah. BJK. And the original. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, and uh and the original 8, all all of them that uh made that happen with the Virginia Slims and and took a stand against Jack Kramer and 
you know, male chauvinist tennis and did it their way, took $1 to play that tournament and started their own WTA league. Insane. Yes. So yeah. awesome. What and world uh, on the subject of college and scholarships, Danielle Collins actually is one of the few female professional players we have that's, you know, really doing well on the circuit that played college. Right, right. Stanford, wasn't it? I don't actually remember where she played. I just know that she's one of, like, because it's not, you see it more on the men's side, I think, than the women's, right. where they have, you know, they transition well into pro. Um, or maybe we just hear about it more. Who knows? <laughs> maybe I should do a little deep dive. No, I think you're right. I mean, uh, it's very tough for um, college players to make the transition. We often talk about uh, Stevie Johnson, who was undefeated. I think he was maybe the only undefeated college player. Uh, can you imagine? Like all four years, undefeated in college. He was the best of the best. Yeah. And yet came into you know men's professional tennis at like around 800 finally made his way up to 400 and then finally made his way up into the top 100. But it took years and years for him to get there. This is the best of the best in college tennis. So it's kind of stunning. Yeah. But how cool would that be? I would have loved to have gone uh, on a scholarship to play tennis somewhere. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I, oh, bet, yeah. I bet a lot of the people that you teach that you help put them on a path to something amazing like that. Well, that's the hope. And, and really, for me, the, the hope is just to get kids to finish high school and then to finish college, whether they're playing tennis or not, you know? Yeah. Uh, just to try to get them to the education point. Because I think that tennis does help you succeed in all areas of your life. Gives you mental toughness, gives you physical strength, emotional control. There's so many benefits to it. So that's why I love what tennis does. Hey, let me correct what I said. I, I thought she got accepted to Stanford, but decided to go to University of Virginia. So Danielle Collins actually played for University of Virginia, and she won uh, two NCAA singles titles while nice. she was there. Yeah. Nice. So let's go back to our list of people who are not playing this year. Uh, we talked about Naomi Osaka, and then we wandered. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I was sad to see that Paula Badosa is has withdrawn from the Australian Open. I really like her. Yeah, she's she's a fun watch. Uh, she has a great game, and it's cool to see that they you know not to sidestep into the Netflix series. We can go into that later, but uh, it's it's cool to see um, her on the the new Netflix um, tennis series Breakpoint. We get a like glimpse into her life, and I think they chose a good player to, to look at. Cause I do think she'll, she'll be a force in our future. Yes. Didn't you get to see her play in San Diego? I did. And she whacks the ball. <laughs> I mean, there's, it's hard. It's hard. Like it would, um, it would really leave a mark if it hits you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I, I didn't actually even know that she was out. I must have been uh, sleeping that day when that announcement came out. <laughs> well, sadly, it, it just happened because she was playing in Adelaide, and she was playing pretty well, but she did lose because she had a thigh injury. 
So um, her quote is that during the quarterfinal match in Adelaide, I hurt myself. After receiving the results, I will be out for a few weeks. Uh, sad to miss the Australian Open this year. Really going to miss it. I'll do everything I can to return as soon as possible. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, because she is just great to watch. I, I think uh, she's a lot like Collins in her fighting spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, love her, love her um, just incredible speed on swings. She just can swing so fast. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like she's good for our sport. And so it's unfortunate that she's not going to be able to play. Yeah. Well, the stunner, the big news that came out uh, has to be said that uh, we were all shocked that Nick Kyrgios withdrew from the Australian Open. And that's got to be a huge blow for Australia because mm-hmm. I'm sure they were all counting on him to not maybe win, but not only win, entertain, because he is such a huge draw, especially for his home crowd, right? Yes. And with his like best season ever last year, I'm sure so many people were really excited to go see him and support him. Yeah. He had real chances at Wimbledon, I -hmm. think. Oh yeah. He sure did. And and that's the surface for a big server, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think with the crowd and I mean, you just can never count him out here. And the fact that he got the doubles title last year, he must've been feeling pretty confident coming in. Yeah, It is, it is a bummer. So again, watching the exhibition with uh, Novak and Nick, I I didn't see anything. I had no idea that he would be withdrawing with a knee injury. I didn't see him limping or any sign of it. So I don't know if that's just like brand new, something that just recently happened or something that's been building. But yeah, I was really surprised. Yeah, and he has to have surgery, right? Yeah, they were saying that it was like a very light surgery, maybe... Uh, arthroscopic, uh, which is, you know, kind of an outpatient surgery these days. Uh, It's amazing our medical technology allows us to recover so quickly with our knee injuries. So I think it's a a very, very light surgery, not not something that's uh, super invasive. Yeah, hopefully he returns to the game soon. It's kind of crazy because he was making like huge predictions like, you know, he's one of the greatest tennis players and he could win. And <laughs> it was, it's like, wow, I guess yeah. that's why Rafa, that's why Rafa does what he does. <laughs> yeah. Down plays. Yeah. He's for, exactly. for be here watching my exactly. final. He knows what's up. I think I saw that Nick's planned return is hopefully Indian Wells. So. Oh, okay. We shall That'll see. That'll be great, great for us if we go. Yes, yes. <laughs> we get to see the return. And uh, so another Aussie out, Isla Tomljanovic. Right. Also a knee injury. Also what are they, what are they putting in the water down there? No. <laughs> and they used to date too, which is kind of weird. Right? Did they? Yeah. yeah I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah, didn't end well, as usual, with Nick. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I had no idea. Thanks for sharing that. I feel like I got <laughs> like some really good gossip today. <laughs> I know, we should start a new tennis podcast, Tennis Gossip. Yes, yes, and just talk about like who's dating who and no. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I think about it, was it Kalinskaya that was dating Nick also? Oh, really? She's really, she looked really young. How old is she? 
I was like, is this girl 19 or 24? Like, I, I really couldn't tell. She had a very young face. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She, ha- she looks like she's like 14, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think she was dating. I think they were dating for just a second. Uh, and then again, it didn't end well. Yeah, well, it didn't his, um, isn't his hearing going on or it, he had one hearing or something for his domestic, um, oh, right. it, I don't, I don't know the, the proper terminology for the Australian legal system, so I don't want to put wrong information out there, but there was some sort of dis- domestic disturbance type of thing, um, with his ex that right. I believe he has gone to court for and his lawyers taking the stance of um, like mental illness being some sort of factor. And I don't think there's been any like ruling yet in terms of what's going to happen. Gosh, what, what drama? Yes. I mean, is it good for the sport or bad for the sport? <laughs> I don't know. You know, <laughs> Yeah. I I th- I think I lean towards good for the sport personally mm. because I do think that if he brings in non tennis fans who just want the drama, like maybe they'll see something else they like and they'll stick around. Yeah, yeah. Um, if everyone was like that, then it would be bad because <laughs> their sport would <laughs> probably suck. Um, but if you just have like one person kind of yeah. acting a fool. Well, the majority of the role models are, I mean, we have some of the best role models. I know it's been tough times as well for this country, so it's, uh, it's good to see firsthand as well and also knowing that we can do something about it. We're very blessed in the sport. Kind of crazy that Nick is kind of going through the WTA draw and like dating all these people. <laughs> and then like, why are the girls even dating him? Like, is he that interesting and attractive and fun to be with or something? Pro- probably. I mean, he is a good-looking dude, so. I mean, I wouldn't expect you to know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he's a he's a handsome fella, so. Um, the bad boy image. Yeah, you know, girls, girls like that sometimes, so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's well, see. So, no Isla, which sucks, because she also had such a great run at the end, the end of the year. She was really starting to come into some of the best tennis of her career. Right, right, yeah. Aside from the drama. (laughs) Yes, yes. Right, she reached the quarterfinals at the last two majors, so I think we were kind of all expecting good things, and I'm sure the Australian public was expecting good things, so sad for the hometown crowd. Yes, and then again with the whole Netflix series, like they did some stuff with her as well. So I'm sure people maybe who saw that might have been excited to watch and back her. Um, yeah, and then she's not there. So, which is super great for tennis. The fact that they're covering it on Netflix, that the general public gets to see who the stars are and what's happening. It's unfortunate though that two two of two of the people in the series are already out of the first tournament since its release. So. That's a bummer. Yeah. It's like a Netflix curse or something. Yeah, right? Oh, gosh. Watch out for the others then. (laughs) 
Well, the hometown crowd is definitely going to stand up and cheer for your favorite player, Samantha Stoser, who just announced that she's going to retire. Well, not just announced, but she announced that 2023 Australian Open would be her final event for her career. So I got to let you wax poetic on her because I feel like this is your girl. <laughs> so nice of you to, <laughs> to believe in me, but I, I can't, I don't even know that I could put in the words. I do adore her. I love her game. I've always felt, I think the reason why I love her so much is that I just always thought like if, if I was going to model my game after someone, I always thought my game would be like hers, uh, big forehand, slice backhand. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> def definitely don't have her um, net play at all <laughs> or her serve. The amazing kick serves are, you know, a, th a thing to be admired, I think, Um one of the strokes I'll definitely remember most about her and super, super excited that she got to at least, you know, reach the pinnacle and singles of winning a grand slam. And, um, I sh is it a grand slam? It's just a slam. Um, <laughs> and the fact that she just had such an amazing career in doubles as well. I don't even know all the numbers, but I'm sure they're, very impressive and I'm super sad to see her leaving but also yeah. you know it's I think it's exciting for these players to go start the next journey of their life and what I'm excited for is what you told me final event who is she playing doubles with yeah she's playing doubles with Elise Cornet that's cool I think that <laughs> I think that would be really fun to watch <laughs> Yeah, and w what a nice moment that's going to be for the home crowd to have Stam Stoser there. You had talked about her numbers. She's reached as high as world number four in singles and uh, number one in doubles, actually. Yes. She did really become a double specialist, don't you think? Yes, for sure. For sure, she did. Um, because She actually won seven Grand Slam doubles titles. Makes sense four in uh, women's and then three in mixed mixed yeah doubles so just a powerhouse in doubles yeah so good so good I mean and I'll miss those guns on the court too she had the some really spectacular muscles <laughs> well I was gonna say that you know she I feel like she was one of the first really defined buffed women that really stood out on the tennis tour as like super buffed, you know, like real, real guns, like you were saying. I mean, I would look at Marie Sakari now as yeah. uh, someone who's just like that with the six pack and the, the crop top <laughs> you know, yeah. that she wears. But uh, yeah, I feel like Sam Sosa was one of the first. So was there anyone else you can think of? No, not really. But I mean, I, really I would say she's out. the first too. Yeah. In terms of being, because, um, you know, a lot of times um, female tennis players, even when they're, let's say, ripped, they're lean, you know, um, and yeah. she, she was the first one I really saw, maybe besides Serena, that was just like had the bulk of muscle, just like, just beautiful biceps, <laughs> deltoids, right. all of that, you know, just like, it's, it's so nice. It just looks so powerful. I've, I would feel like it would be so intimidating, you know, to go play against someone, shows up in a tank top and ripping, uh, repping those guns. 
Right, because fitness is a huge, huge part of tennis. Like, who can outlast them? We're actually seeing that here at the Australian Open because it's five set on the men's. And uh, I'm sure we'll get to Nadal and Jack Draper, but you, you saw Jack Draper falling apart physically. And you just saw Nadal, like, stepping into his incredible physical game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All in Jack Draper's defense, um, apparently it's it might be a medical condition and not like a fitness condition. Mm. Um, I was told that he trains really, really hard, and he's seen medical professionals to try and figure out why all the cramping happens, and they've been unable to figure it out. But they they claim that it's not due to um, a lack of effort in the fitness department. It might be some some sort of like biological thing that's happening with his body where he just can't stay hydrated enough or something um oh, for that, that to, for that to not happen yeah but yeah stoser stoser beating serena i mean anyone who beats serena in their first ever final <laughs> you right? know to, at her to home to walk in there and feel like you know not being intimidated by the goat yeah that's pretty uh that's pretty impressive. Something I'm sure she could be really proud of for, you know, forever. Yes, for sure. And hey, I mean, my go- my goodness, she has seven Grand Slam titles, you know, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. on the double side. So you just feel like, wow, uh, what a great career. Heck yeah. sure. I'm sure loads of people would love to have had her career. I actually, when I went to the French Open, um, I'd say... Probably the highlight of my day there at Roland Garros was watching Sam Stoser practice um, and just sitting there, her and Renee Stubbs. Um, and it was, there was hardly anybody there um, watching. So I felt like, I don't know, like I got to just be part of their team for a second. It was, it was nice. And you, you talked to oh, Renee Stubbs too, right? I, well, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't have like a conversation. I just kind of told her, you know, hey love your podcast. <laughs> um, and then I took that selfie with Sam Stozer in the background where her leg oh, yeah. looks all funny. funny. <laughs> you sent me that. She yeah, was uh, awesome. rolling her ankle like to stretch it. <laughs> so it looked like she, she looked like she had a awkward. deformity or something. <laughs> yeah. But I do, I do love my, my Sammy. So she yeah. will be missed. What a nice moment. Yeah. I'll see open, up and running. Did you have a chance to watch any of the qualifying rounds? Were you watching any of that or see any of the highlights? I watched a couple, but the only one that I really paid attention to, like watched a full match, was Ernesto Escobedo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did watch his last qualifying match, I think. Um, And then I watched a piece of his first round, which I think he lost, unfortunately. Right, right. Yes. What about you? Did you catch any? Um, I I just looked through the uh, results and just saw, you know, a couple of names that stuck out to me. I was surprised that Heather Watson was out in the first round, a uh, British tennis player. And, you know, she, she was definitely a name uh, for Britain and was playing incredibly well. And sometimes she's very on, but unfortunately she, she was out in the first round of qualifying. Eugenie Bouchard lost in the first round of qualifying against uh, a cool American girl named Ashlyn Kruger. 
18 years old. So, oh. wow, you know, good good people coming up. There were so many names in the qualifying rounds I didn't know. Yeah. I was like, wow. I, and so I started having to, like, Google search all these names and who are these people and, you know, kind of uh, fun to learn because there's so so many people that are at the highest level of our sport that I, I've never heard of, you know. Yeah. And if I have never heard of them, who who cares about tennis? Can you imagine the general public, you know? Yeah, for sure. I know. And there's so many players. It's sometimes it's really hard to keep up, you know, and it, uh, sometimes I'll watch, I'll watch someone play and I'm like, oh, I'm going to remember that name. I really like that person. And yeah. then, you know, maybe they don't have favorable results for a couple months. And then I completely forget, like they fall <laughs> off my radar <laughs> and it's like, it's so hard to, to keep up. So if people are not like consistently winning, it's, it's really easy to kind of get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, one of the most interesting matches for me was uh, uh, there's a Korean tennis player named Kwon Soon-woo who has been playing incredibly well uh, coming up into the Australian Open. And he's actually defeated some top players uh, kind of in a surprise. And there was a five-set thriller match against Chris Eubanks. Do you know him? The really tall, amazing server American? Yes. African-American? Yes. Yeah. And do you remember we watched that video uh, with, I think Chris Eubanks was serving to Will Smith. <laughs> and there's a really fun video of them like talking about, can Will Smith actually return one of his serves that's like 140 miles an hour, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so just fun at that. Uh, Chris Eubanks actually made it uh, into the first round and won his first round match against a really a top upcoming player, this Korean guy, in five sets, and it was a nail biter. So if you have a chance to watch the highlights there, I think you'll really enjoy that. And you see Chris Eubanks, and he is really tall. He he must be like six seven. Yeah, or I think like I that. think it's six seven. Yeah, right. And he is incredibly thin, too. So what's kind of amazing is how well he can move considering his height. Uh, because, you know, usually like a John Isner or someone at that height really kind of struggles with movement. Mm -hmm. But he actually was doing really well because the Korean player, Kwan, he can move. Wow, he's such a great mover um, and was hitting off of both sides. And it was a very close game, but... Yeah, took it all the way to five matches. That was exciting to see. Nice. I'll have to check out those highlights then. Yeah, just really excited for Christopher Eubanks because I feel like, you know, he he's kind of underrated, uh, at, just a phenomenal tennis player. But, I mean, he's 26 years old now. So he's, um, you know, and with his height and stuff, it's, it's going to be tough. But I guess as a great, great server, he could probably play for quite a while and get, get a lot of free, easy points, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. But at six seven, he's only a hundred and eighty one pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I the thing that always sticks out to me when I watch him play is his legs. Like, they're so long, so thin, and skinny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really stands out. But he has a beautiful single handed backhand too. Yes. So very interesting to watch him swing because his, you know. His length is just insane, like how wide and he swings. So really fun to watch him play, yeah. 
Yeah. And just uh, really excited for him because I'm sure that was a huge win. They probably felt like Quan was like, you know, really on a roll and maybe, you know, had played too much, but just incredible that he was able to take that round. So that was kind of cool. For sure. What else do we got going on? What's catching your attention here this fortnight? <laughs> yeah, well, we talked about uh, Amanda Annie Samova, which was kind of a bummer that she is out uh, first round, and Borna Chorich is out on the men's side, which is huge. Oh. You feel like he has such a strong game, but uh, it was really sad to see him go down. Buskova, who a lot of people are calling as like a really up-and-coming top player. I think she's number 25 now. Uh, she was the one who beat Anna Samova, but she lost to our fave, Bianca Andrescu. Yes, I caught some of that match. I was very happy with with my girl, Andrescu. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she's in... Andrescu is now in the 40s as far as ranking is concerned, even though she was at one point, I think, world number two. Yeah, really excited to see Bianca playing so well, moving so well. And there was actually a little bit of controversy there where Buzkova, um, you know, complained to the uh, umpire that uh, Bianca was making too much noise and she was like yelling and screaming uh, every time she hit a, a point. Uh, but nothing came of it, but it was just interesting to note that. Oh, I missed that. I noticed there was one, I, I saw her complaining to the chair ump during one point when Andreescu hit, was hitting a passing shot mm. and, and like screamed like as she was hitting it and it yeah. kind of carried on through Buskova's shot <laughs> and Buskova like went to her and was like, what the heck? You know, she was still <laughs> screaming when I was hitting the ball and the chair ump was like, that did not hinder you. Like that was just an amazing pass shot. <laughs> well, she didn't say it in those words, but I mean, that was right. the, that was the end result. And, uh, that was the only one I saw, but I guess I should go back and check out highlights to see if, cause I know Andrescu can get pretty rowdy with her little come ons and all that. <laughs> do you ever do that while you're playing? I am. I'm not a come on person, but I am like, uh, I will, yeah, I do get into my stuff. I am like, oh, if I miss, and I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm more of a like a yes type of person if I hit something amazing. Nice. Do you, what about you? <laughs> I think I do. I actually, uh, people have told me that I actually grunt while I'm playing, and I'm not even really aware of it, that I'm actually hitting and making a sound. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I guess I am kind of noisy on the court. And when I win, it's only when I win a point where I feel like it's like, wow, that was like, I couldn't believe that I actually got that back that I say that kind of thing. So it's not like I'm hitting a, a, an easy winner. It's yeah. more like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I got that point. I'm like, yeah. So I'm saying to myself, you know, amazing that you did that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think that's the same. Like you get a short ball, in the middle of the court and you rip a forehand winner. It's not like, like you're supposed to do that. It's not like you're like, yes, yes. But yeah, you somebody pulls you out wide and you hit this great like defensive lob and then <laughs> it like bounces deep in the court and they can't get it. You're pretty like proud of yourself, right? Yeah, and I feel like it's a release of pressure because there's like so much pressure on that really hard shot to get back and then it's like a release. So yeah, maybe that's, one-tenth of what some of the pros feel like. 
Yeah. And then I think the ones where you're like really disappointed is where you get that really hard shot back and then the next shot is super easy and you miss it. You miss it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on our courts, what we say to each other is back to normal. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Someone misses and you go, ah, oh, back to normal. <laughs> yeah. The magic ends. The magic. Don't let the magic die. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's right. There was a cool match between former Grand Slam uh, champions Sofia Kennan and Victoria Azarenka. Super mom. Did you see catch any of that at all? I did. I did. But you know what? Actually, there were so many great matches oh, all happening so at the much. same time. So, so much. I'm, I was like watching on my phone, on my TV, and then like <laughs> trying to like go back and forth because yeah. there was like, I think there was like four Americans all playing at the same time. It yeah. was like Anna Samova, Kennan, um, maybe Pagula and Collins or something. And like, I'm like trying to go back and <laughs> like watch everyone at the same time. Um, right. And I just couldn't catch them all. But I did see, I watched a little bit of Kennan and she was not looking great. So I kind of went back over to somebody who was winning. <laughs> yeah. Good for Azarenka, right? I mean, yeah. really cool that. Uh, again, she, to me, that has the kind of Venus Williams feel where, you know, super mom can pull it out, which is awesome. Yeah, it's it's so great. It's so great to see her like still on the tour. And um, I think like I don't see any reason why she couldn't get a little hot and have a nice run. I feel like her strategy is so good, like the way she thinks while she's playing tennis, the shot making that she does. Uh, yeah. I think initially when I first saw her play, she just seemed like a machine. You know, she was just very like, get it back, get it back, super high um, high percentage shots and stuff. But now I feel like, wow, she's really strategic. She really plays like really creative shots. Um, and yeah, I'm just really impressed by her. That, And I guess maybe as you get older, you just think, I got to shorten the points. I mean, Fed used to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think so, I think you see Nadal starting to do it too. Right, right. So, did you watch the Nadal Draper match? I did, but actually, I fell asleep after the third set. But I also just once he started cramping and Nadal took the third set, I was like, "This is over." <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a nap because I really wanted to wake up at midnight and watch. Right. Um, I already forgot who was playing at midnight, but oh. Sh Iga. <laughs> oh, I nice. wanted to wake up and watch Iga. So, yeah, this is a tough tournament for us West Coasters here in Los Angeles. I mean, the the time differential and uh, and also the matches are <clears throat> five sets often, so really long into the night, right? Oh yeah, I mean, it's great at four p.m. when you're like, "Yay, four p.m. I'm going to watch tennis," and you can watch till like ten or eleven at night, but they always have the best matches at midnight. So if you want to watch like the blockbuster match, well, for yeah. me anyway, I have to like take a nap. I have to like go to sleep at like five, wake up at midnight and then be <laughs> up until like four or 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I used to do that for Federer. I don't know that I'll do that for, yeah, <laughs> for any of the players exactly. now. But exactly. it's just amazing that you do. You're so much more devoted than no, I am. No, no, no. I'm the same. I, I, I find every year I'm 
it goes down a little bit where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't really care about this match enough. Um, so Maybe during, that's our age though. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think it is. It is. Um, but I think also like when it gets to like quarterfinals, I will stay right. Up. right. Um, More but like the first rounds, I'm like, I'll just watch the ones that are at a normal hour and get the sleep. Cause I can't, yeah. I also can't last two weeks with that type of sleep schedule either anymore. No, I'm no, not a yeah. spring chicken anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of interesting how many people predicted that Nadal was going to lose first round to Draper. Yeah. Well, I think it was probably had a lot to do with that one and six losing streak he was on. Yeah. Yeah. Let me play this clip because I, I just love this clip where people kept asking him about retirement and <laughs> the way he responded was so funny. So uh, let me just play that. For me, uh, I lost my match. That's, that's it. No? Uh, <laughs> every time that I'm coming to a press conference, it seems that <laughs> I have to retire. <laughs> so you are very, very interested in my retirement. So, <laughs> I mean, that's for the moment is not the case. When the day, when this day arrives, I'm going to let you know, guys, but don't keep going with the retirement because I'm here to, to keep playing tennis. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of Roger Federer, right? I mean, I think since 2013, they were saying he was yes. going to retire. <laughs> it's true. And it's like every press conference, like Nadal says, every press conference, all they ask is like, are you going to retire? Are you going to retire? You know, and Nadal says, hey, I'm going to let you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop asking. It yeah, probably gets so that's, annoying. That's so annoying. Yeah. But I guess they, they all want to be the journalist that get that here, you know, gets uh, the answer, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> For the one day when it when they do get the yes, I guess. They're like, Yes, I'm the one that's that asked. <laughs> yeah, and I guess because he had lost at the United Cup, right? He lost twice, I think. Uh that people were feeling like, oh, he's not in form. But I love the fact that he talked about how much he's been practicing. And, mm -hmm. you know, Nadal, he needs that practice. He needs those hours. Yes. It's insane that he can still do it. You know, we can't even stay up and watch. And he can still <laughs> – <laughs> he can put in more hours practicing, that guy. Yes, it's so true. And, you know, he's so he's so generally, like, honest, I guess, yeah. more so than other players in terms of like how he's feeling and right. he I, he did say he's been practicing really good and he feels good like so he feels good yeah um which is which is good it's exciting because um as the defending champion and with Novak back this year I think that just adds to the storyline it, it will be really good I think for tennis if Nadal goes deep yeah, and it just it just reminds me again that younger players are just having a very hard time with five sets. Like, I'm you would think physically that they could step up, and because they're younger, they're more mm -hmm. fit, and they're, you know. But uh, you don't see it. You don't see the younger players taking out the champions because of age. I I feel like it's the experience of playing five sets that gives Nadal the confidence, even if he loses the first set. You know, no problem. You know. Yeah, even if he loses the first two, he's thinking, no problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Djokovic's all, often done that. Uh -huh. So I just feel like for these guys, they just know they have it within them. Their expanded capacity allows them to just have that belief that, 
you know, the young guys don't. I mean, I just think of Medvedev, like how, how, how he just can't seem to win five sets, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he, I know he's been training hard. I listened to an awesome podcast about uh, his trainer and talking about the kind of training that they're doing with Medvedev. So really cool to see if that pays off and if he's able to, you know, go the five sets and, and take these guys on. Let's He's see got what happens. Bright chances, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would say that he should be one of the favorites as well. Um, he, I don't think he's been playing great lately, um, but I wouldn't. I would never count him out if he gets hot. Right. You know, yeah. he's up there, right there with them. And and even though he doesn't have a great winning record in five sets, I think that's a mental thing and not a physical thing. Um, I think he can hang physically with them five through five sets. I think it's more of a, the big five setters that he loses to me are more of a mental collapse of not being able to close things out against Mm. them. Mm. But that's just my opinion on it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I guess that's the the question is what is in his head and we'll never know. He'll never tell us, you know, he's such a gamesman. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know, if he is a little bit weaker after, and of course everyone is after so much physical exercise, does he just not have the belief, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really impressed with Nadal. I mean, I thought it was interesting. I think like the, the Tennis Channel, Tennis Nerd, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Tennis Nerd at all, That he actually had a caption on youtube you know nadal's going out first round <laughs> i was like oh wow <laughs> so a lot of people were were calling it and uh and he did really well i was yeah. very very proud of him i think he can go deep for sure i mean he doesn't have the greatest draw i don't think but i think he could play him his way into it and i think um having these tough matches is good for him it's always, it's generally, I think, proved to, like, he plays his way into the tournament and it helps him build his confidence. Yeah. Um, I think I heard, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I heard on that on the tennis podcast uh, that every time Nadal complains about balls at a tournament and the press conference, like, he goes on to win it. And that was, like, one of the things he was complaining about here. <laughs> so uh, yeah. if that, if it does ring true, then. Maybe that's maybe that's good for him. <laughs> that's funny, like an <laughs> omen or something. Yeah, yeah, kind of like Iga, I, I think, was saying, was she she was complaining about the U.S. Open balls or something, and was saying I'll never win there because the because the balls or something, and then she won last year. Yeah, I don't know what Dunlop is doing, but they are taking over. I mean, their balls are you know they're placing themselves at all the Grand Slams at, and many of the tournaments and they are the brand to beat as far as tennis balls right now it's kind of interesting um but yeah i personally i love the dunlop balls that we get i'm I'm not even sure if they're even close to what they play with uh because they're so soft i love the fact that they're soft and that i can i feel like they hold their pressure for a long long time so i recommend them to people i say yeah buy the dunlop ones and rather than the pen you notice that like when you buy the pen uh, ball deal from Costco, three or four of the cans of the 
of the box will be dead, just completely dead. So the quality control is just not there, you know. And in general, I feel like the pen balls are harder, don't feel as good to me. So I like the Dunlop balls. I do feel like after a while, though, they get really, like, fuzzy, really, really fuzzy. And so they're, I don't know if they're slower when they're fuzzier, but, um, yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, I think that's actually what they were saying is, Nadal's complaint is that they get really fuzzy and then his they don't hold his spin like well like he can't get he said it's when they're fuzzy like that it's better for flat players. Oh, that's interesting. I would but think I, be I would have thought for... yeah, I would have thought it opposite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, maybe yeah. I heard it wrong. Um that's what I thought I heard because I remember being like thinking that didn't really like make sense to me, but Yeah. I'll have to study the physics of it. I would think the fuzziness would slow the ball down. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, and you would think it would also give the racket more to grab onto for topspin. Mm. Um, yeah. Definitely, like with the Dunlops, you get a ton of hair on your uh, uh, strings. Strings. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed, for me anyways. Yeah. It's like, wow, there's a, this thing comes off a lot. Um, but I, I, I like it better because it's softer and then versus the um, pen balls, they just seem to get harder and harder. Like there's almost no fuzz on them and they just become like rocks, you know? Yeah. I'll have to try the, try the Dunlop out because I, I have Dunlop unpressurized for my ball machine, uh-huh. but I, I don't think I've ever bought like pressurized Dunlop. I, I mm. think I always have pen or Wilson um, pressurized balls and Dunlop unpressurized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, i just like the softness of it you know easier better for students better for my arm so i enjoy that side yeah of it. I, slossingers used to be like that too i don't know if they're connected but can't hard to find slossingers anymore yeah i don't think i've ever seen them hmm. well maybe the saddest loss for me was stan warwinka Bummer. he lost first round uh and it was a tight five set match i think he could have taken it but uh unfortunately yeah he lost and sad to see stan out it really is you always always you always hope he's gonna yeah i always hope he's gonna have one of those runs and it seems like maybe those days are over yeah he definitely gave Djokovic a run for his money. I always felt like Djokovic was afraid of Stan when they played because he mm-hmm. could get through him. You know. Oh yeah, I think everyone was for <laughs> for a few years there. Yeah, <laughs> that Australian Open win against Djokovic. Wow, epic. Yeah, just incredible. So good. Yeah. I love his game. His game is just like, uh, when it's on, it seems unbeatable. Yeah, and. He, more than anyone else, I feel like, makes that single-handed backhand look so beautiful. Right. Just incredible. Yeah. And it, I'm always like, why Why isn't mine that hard and gorgeous? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, it's so it's so crazy how, like, he can, he can rip it up the line so hard or, like, play, like, crazy short angles. Um, and for me, maybe I'm just not that good. I, I can't tell, you know, like, because he holds it so long like where he's going to go with it. And I think that that just makes it so much more dangerous when you're able to disguise where your shots are going. Yeah, that just reminds me, speaking of single-handed backhands, I was so excited that Richard Gasquet won his last tournament. I mean, he actually beat Cam Norrie in the final. 
uh, and I watched the highlights of that. Uh, it was a three-set match, but six four four six four six, and he he is just having a resurgence right now, which is just stunning, and it just makes me so happy. <laughs> I bet Federer is like you know yeah. sitting somewhere in Switzerland, going, "Go, Richard." <laughs> yes, for sure. And Richard, somewhere saying, "Thank God Nadal wasn't in this tournament." <laughs> Exactly. Or Djokovic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know his record against Djokovic, but I know like he can never do well against Nadal. He gets the beat down of his life every time they play. Yeah. But he did beat uh, like some of the other players that he won against. David Goffin, I think, is, you know, oh, kind of yeah. huge. That's a good uh, win. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, he be- beat Sousa um, in straight sets. And then, of course, Cam Norrie. I feel like Cam Norrie is a very strong player now. Yeah, he really is. That's a really good win. Yeah. And and to win a title, I think it was his first title in, like, I don't know how many years, you know? Yeah. Well, so, good for him. I know. That made me happy. That was, like, a cool moment. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Well, we have lots of Australian Open ahead and just kind of fun to recap, you know, some of the high notes going into the week. Uh, any special thoughts for you about players that you're watching or people that you're excited about? Um, you know, it's funny because I got the Australian Open app and it always, those apps always ask you like to star your favorite players. Oh, uh-huh. and it's so funny. Like, I was like, who do I who do I really want to know about? Like, as I'm making that decision, because I could I could go one one way or the other, where I could highlight everyone because I love so many players, or I yeah. could just like I was like, no, just be really picky about who you choose. And I found it was like mainly um, like my top three eyes are on is like Danielle Collins. Of course, I'm just like all about her. Uh, Iga Iga Shviantek, of course. I'm just really interested to watch how her form continues, and uh, and Jesse Pagula. Like I'm just so into watching her come into this amazing form and and just be so dangerous. Um, Because I think like for so many years, people thought her ceiling was so low, like her top of her game would never match up. And so, yeah. I feel like I feel like I would always hear that with commentators going like she's great, but like even at her best, she won't be the best. <laughs> um, oh wow! So I just feel so happy for her that she's at least those naysayers, you know, are eating their words. Um, it's it's fun to watch. So I think those are my like top three on the women's side, and then with the men, I just feel like I'm looking for the best matchups, you know. Yeah. Um, what are what are the what are going to be like the good five set matches? <laughs> Although I do have my, I, for some reason, I just got this weird feeling like to keep my eye on Sinner. Yeah, yeah, um, I love Sinner. Yeah. So hopefully, so, I'm, I'm hoping that he has a good tournament. So good. What about you? Watch anyone uh, for, in particular? Yeah, for me, you know, it's so sad. Of course, I love Iga. I love the way she plays, and I think it's hers to lose. And uh, But, you know, Rebecca is, you know, as you know, my dark horse favorite. And it's so sad. Like, she's a Wimbledon champion, and they put her, like, way on, like, court 13. <laughs> she's not getting Aww. any love, any press. Like, nobody knows anything about her. Maybe that's good. Maybe I think no she likes it that her. way, though, yeah. 
yeah. no pressure, less pressure anyway. Yeah, she did win her first round easily, so really excited for her. And I just feel like she has the game. You know, she's got a big serve. But I do feel like the, the three that you talked about are the fighters, uh, the scrappiest players, and um, Iga, of course, you know, it's just impossible to beat these days. So Pagula and Iga, that's going to be an incredible final if they both reach there i think i'm I'm interested to see if Iga can get revenge you know yeah you know i forgot about ons um she she's definitely someone who i would like to to watch but um probably more so like second week (laughs) than first (laughs) than first week like for first week i'm a little bit more picky because there's so many more matches so it's, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't watch them all. So I just have to choose a handful of players that I really, really like to watch. Yeah. And, you know, like I like those players that I've been calling out in the past. Uh, Anna Samova, who's already out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yastremska, who I think already lost. Uh, did she win or did she lose? I didn't uh, see. Yeah. She lost to Ostapenko already. <laughs> oh, yeah. I almost watched that one because Ostapenko's. She's a, she's fun to watch sometimes. You just oh never know gosh. what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so the the people who I love watching the way they hit and everything, they're not winning. <laughs> so shows you how much I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, well we have Rublev team tonight at midnight, so or no, 4 p.m. Sheesh. So I think that's that's a fir- yeah, the first match on. I'll be I'll be tuning in for that. Yeah, I mean, if if it's about being able to hit through the the ball and hit flat, as tennis podcast says, there's nobody who does that better than Rublev. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I think he, yeah, he has some bright chances. I feel like um, on the men's side, I think for me, it's just more emotional people that I really enjoy watching, and um, I was super excited that Mackie McDonald, uh, the American, made oh, it yeah. through the first round. But he he it was so close because he was playing against another American, uh, Brandon Nakashima. Both of them have really great games. So five sets, and he won in the fifth set, McDonald. So what a tough match, first round, uh, and to get through. And then, of course, who's his second round match? Rafa Nadal. Oh, man. <laughs> So, you know, nice knowing you, Mackie. <laughs> oh, you know what? When I saw that he won, I think I thought about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, but I would say outlook is not great for that second not round great. there. Yeah. The other person who I really enjoy watching is Hercatch. Um, I don't know if you watch his games, but wow, he, I really feel like he is a very talented player and super underrated. He plays so well. He can do everything. He can do come to the net. He can volley. He has great ground strokes. His, he does a lot of cool trick shots that maybe nobody talks about. It just shows he has a lot of talent. So I don't know. I feel like her catch could go far. I don't know how far, but, uh, I really like his play. Yeah, he um, is a great player, but I, I, well, I don't have anything against him personally, but I do always, his name like stings a little bit just because of the Federer match at Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's like just, I can't ever fully support him, but he is fun to watch and he is really tremendously talent, talented. Yeah. Um, I forgot 
one of the scores I looked at this morning that shocked me was that Musetti's already out. Yes, uh, that was a five-set match. Uh, who did he lose to? It was... Um... I don't even know. I just remember seeing his name as a loser and thought I was really surprised because I thought he might have, you know, at least gone a few rounds. Oh, that's right. He he lost to Lloyd Harris. That's why. It was very close. I mean, it went back and forth, and then it was tie break. There was two tie breaks, and uh, Lloyd Harris barely held on. It was it was anybody's match, really. It was very, very close. So good for Lloyd Harris. Yeah, I was surprised that he made it through. So Great Britain, there you go. Is Lloyd so, Harris British? I thought I thought so. Yeah. Oh, I thought I thought his little flag um, said South Africa or something. Oh, you're like right. That. No, no, you're right. South Africa. You're right. South Africa. Yeah, that's right. Nice. <laughs> you know how Americans always mix up South uh, African yeah, and British yeah, accents for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you know, it's or I think South Africa and Australians sometimes can get really uh. Yeah. And then Australian and British. Australians hate when we think they're British, right? Because it's like, (laughs) shows how little you know about the world. Uh, The the other players that I, you know, have uh, an emotional attachment for, Felix Ajay Aliasim. I mean, I just love his play. I love uh, how he carries himself. He barely made it through against Pospisil. Pospisil, the Canadian player, he is... He was just hitting forehand winners left and right. It was amazing to see him play. And then he actually came to the net a lot to win easy points. So that went to four sets. And uh, that was a really great match. You should rewatch some of the highlights for that one. I feel like Felix was not really, you know, there yet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Maybe first round jitters or something. I think it's but, hard uh, to play against your countrymen, too. Sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They know each other so well, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited about Felix. Just like you said, I'm excited about Sinner. I feel like Sinner is really exciting to watch. I enjoy watching him. And uh, the one guy that a lot of people are talking about, of course, now that Carlos Alcaraz is out, maybe is Holger Rune. Oh, um, yes. I love his game. Right? I mean, he is very, very young and very strong. And he has a lot of uh, scalps to his name already. So it'll be, I think a lot of people are watching him and seeing what's going to happen. He hasn't played yet, I, th- I don't think. So we'll have to see what happens there. Yes, I'll have to keep keep my eye on his, his matches. <laughs> well, Valerie, I hope we get to do a recap of the Oz Open, you know, maybe towards the final or after the final. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. So fun to see how everything unwinds. One more shout out to Tennis Pal, our wonderful sponsor who makes this podcast happen. Please visit them, tennispal.com, and uh, download that app and meet some people and get out there and play tennis yourself. I bet there are a lot more people who want to play tennis now that the Australian Open is happening. Unfortunately, here in Southern Cal, we've been rained out most of two or three weeks. Um, But... I'm sure there are a lot of people looking to play right now, don't you think? I would imagine, yes, for sure. I mean, I've I've noticed also with the rain, though, too, when it is dry, then the courts are more busy because it's like the only time you can squeeze some tennis in. That's right. It's like you get one day out of like five or six, yeah. right? So everybody's trying to <laughs> trying to get out there. And that's true. The courts have been busier, that's for sure. 
And hey, I want to give a shout out too to um, this new program that we have going on at Love Set Match, our nonprofit. We are actually giving away free tennis classes. So go to lovesetmatch.org, um, find the link for free tennis classes, and you can sign up on our Google Forms. And uh, we're doing it every Saturday in Monterey Park from 12 to one o'clock and we're trying to get as many people in there as possible to start learning how to play the game get some good coaching from the very get-go and uh, hopefully just fall in love with tennis and enjoy the benefits of this incredible game so please check that out yes and you get the benefits of the great and powerful philip kim Neither great nor powerful. (laughs) But thank you so much for your compliment. (laughs) But yeah, it's just uh, really exciting to be able to kind of decouple tennis from, you know, paying for lessons. That's the idea. We're trying to disrupt the idea that only those people that have money can play tennis. And so I'm really hoping, especially to people who can't afford it, uh, might never get a chance to play, might never have a racket in their hand, come on out and get a free class and, and learn what it's all about. And maybe you'll fall in love with it. Maybe you'll be you know, one of those people that's like exceptionally talented at tennis and you found your new tribe. You know, it's One of the great things about tennis is it's a community sport. You really get to socialize and meet people and hang out with people. And in fact, this last Saturday, uh, Valerie, because it rained, I was able to go to a birthday party and it was the 100th birthday of one of our tennis players, Joe Rios. Can you believe it? He's been playing tennis for over 60 years and uh, he just turned 100. So we had a huge party for him and it was so fun to be a part of that community. So cool. Well, happy birthday, (laughs) Joe. (laughs) Happy birthday, Joe. And thank you, Valerie, so much for making time so that we could talk about the Australian Open and share our passion for tennis. Super fun. Yes. Can't wait to uh, see you again in a couple weeks. Yes. And we got to play tennis soon as soon as the sunshine comes out. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And for all of you listening, thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Please send a an email to me at coachpk at lovesetmatch.org. We'd love to hear any questions or any thoughts you have about the podcast, as well as uh, you can follow lovesetmatch.org with all of our social media. There's show notes there as well, so check that out. And one more time, thank you, Tennis Pal, for being a wonderful sponsor. May all your serves be, be aces. aces.